Welcome to DevelopLex, a middle tech production hosted by me, Weston Lockhart, and Evan Knowles. This series will focus on the ins and outs of real estate development and investing, where we'll have the opportunity to sit down with the developers of our cities, veterans of the industry, and key people that have over time made a massive impact on communities and neighborhoods. The purpose of this series is to be able to bring a knowledge base to our audience beyond that of what reading a book or watching a how-to video ever could, and educate from those who have done it by hearing their stories, both good and bad, along the way. We feel that historically the learnings of real estate have been inaccessible without being connected, and we would love to open the doors to the next generation of doers, as well as shine a light on how visions of community have been brought to life. We hope you enjoy. Before diving in, we'll get a quick word from our sponsors. DevelopLex is sponsored by SVN Stone Commercial Real Estate, a full-service commercial real estate firm located in Lexington, Kentucky, affiliated with the SVN International Network, which is comprised of over 1,600 advisors and staff and 200-plus offices across the globe. The SVN Stone team consists of experienced commercial real estate advisors in the heart of the bluegrass. SVN provides commercial real estate services to large corporations, middle market businesses, and individual entrepreneurial investors. Serving the greater Lexington area, SVN offers advisory services for sales, leasing, management, and development of commercial properties locally, regionally, and nationally. With transaction volume of over $400 million, the advisors at SVN Stone Commercial Real Estate have vast experience and deep understanding of all aspects of commercial real estate. We are also sponsored by Lexington Pavement Suite. Lexington Pavement Suite is a full-service property maintenance company operating in Central Kentucky, specializing in parking lot sweeping, day portering, landscaping, and snow removal. From established retail properties to construction sites and everything in between, whether your property needs a daytime presence or a nightly sweep, Lexington Pavement Suite will be there to ensure your property is starting the day pristine. Lexington Pavement Suite is proud to be a part of DevelopLex, bringing the best of the best to all listeners. We are also sponsored by Community Trust Bank. Community Trust offers a wide variety of home loans, commercial loans, and small business loans to suit your financial needs, as well as mobile banking, internet banking, and bill pay. Their friendly and professional staff would love to assist you at one of their six Lexington locations. Community Trust Bank is committed to building communities built on trust. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. All right. Hello, everybody. You've got Evan Knowles and Weston Lockhart here with the Develop Lex podcast. This is going to be a fun episode. So this podcast is all about the development of the city we love so much, Lexington, how it's developed over time, what we're going to see in the future. But this episode, we want to talk about, you know, what is commercial real estate? So we've got Matt Stone, who is the owner and managing director of SVN Stone Commercial Real Estate. And we're going to talk all about the ins and outs of commercial real estate because you know all the big developments that we love, that we spend a lot of time in for entertainment, for work, uh, it's all commercial real estate. Oftentimes, you know, people confuse re- residential real estate with commercial real estate. They're two separate things, although they do have similarities. So we just want to dive into what is commercial real estate and how does it affect our city and what do the professionals in that sector of the economy do on a day-in and day-out basis. So Matt, thanks for joining. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to getting your perspective. Before we talk about commercial real estate or the city of Lexington, let's get your background. You know, where are you from, education, and then uh, we'll take it from there. Absolutely. Uh, I'm from right here in good old LEX, Lexington, Kentucky, uh, born and bred, as they say, and excited to be on the show with you guys. Um, 
I'm from here. I went to Henry Clay High School, went to University of Kentucky after that, and then worked for Young Life for four years right after college and got married in that time span uh, and then went back and did a Master's of Business Administration and MBA at University of Kentucky. They have an 11-month program there, and so I went through that. We were the guinea pig first uh, year to go through that, so that was pretty wild and fun, and that was 05 and 06, and at the end of that, I got invited to be a part of a commercial real estate firm um, at the time called Sperry Van Ness, which is now SVN, same initials, and was a part of that with Jeff Yeary and Don Howard, who have H&W Hotels, uh, hotel developer and manager here out of Lexington, and they had bought that franchise, and Jeff had done commercial real estate for a lot of years. So that's kind of how um, I evolved, and in that period and in the last uh, 15 years, I've like I said, I'm married to my wife, Mandy, and I've got three young kids, 14, 11, and eight. So a lot going on and, and running a business as well. So it's, it's been fun. When somebody asks you, you know, what you do, do you say I do commercial real estate or what, how would you describe to somebody that just doesn't know is not in the real estate industry day in and day out? How would you describe what you do? That's a great question. It kind of depends on the season of time and it depends on who's asking, but I think sometimes I, I definitely just mention commercial real estate if it's specific to business. But there's other times where I say, you know, I build relationships and get to know people, hang out with people, and sometimes deals break out, so things like that. But, yeah, I definitely feel like I'm somebody who cares more about the relationship and and who I'm working with and the things that I'm working on than I am, like, the specific project. So I'm a little different in that way probably, but uh, definitely mention commercial real estate if it's professional and then talk more about uh, building relationships and you know, kind of a network of people uh, when I'm thinking more relationally. Yeah. So, um, at full disclaimer for the audience, I am, would you call me an employee of SV? No, I'd say an advisor. <laughs> so Matt is my independent prin- contractor. So Matt is my principal broker. Um, we're going to try to keep it as if I don't know Matt. Uh, but I do want to dive. You don't in- know me. <laughs> You're getting ready to know me. I do want to dive into, um, how commercial. So I think a lot of people don't really understand commercial real estate. So let's paint the picture of how does it differ from residential? Because I didn't know. Sure. I walked backwards into it and it sounds like you kind of did too. Similar for me. So I was finishing my MBA. Jeff came and met with me, asked me if I was interested in commercial real estate. Uh, or actually he said real estate. I said, I don't know anything about selling houses. He said, we're not talking about houses. We're talking about commercial shopping centers, office buildings, warehouses, things like that. And I said, I definitely don't know anything about that. I said, how much do you pay? He said, zero, all commission. I said, sounds terrible, sign me up. So that was kind of my intro as well, uh, thinking when you think real estate and you're not in the in the game, so to speak, you typically do think about residential. And so you need to understand it. I dabbled in it a little bit right when I first got my license just to kind of do a few things. And uh, Jeff had a little arm that you could do that through. So I did learn about it, but I think the biggest um, differentiator is Commercial is more kind of where business is run. Uh, it's different zoning, obviously, so we could get into the whole zoning um, path. But I think for today's conversation, it's more about properties that relate to, like I said, retail, office, industrial. A lot of those properties that you see uh, larger buildings on that people are running businesses out of, that people are running commerce out of, things like that. And then multifamily typically goes into that. So when you look at apartment complexes, and apartment buildings, that typically goes. So definitionally, they typically say three units and up in multifamily. So a duplex or single family residence would be called residential. And a commercial would be three units and up on um, on multifamily. And then anything else that's 
any kind of commercial land that's zoned for commercial use or any kind of uh, property that's retail, industrial, or office. And then the other sector that gets involved in that is called hospitality. And that would mostly be hotels, but also sometimes goes into the realm of resorts, golf courses, um, some types of you know casinos, different things like that. So hopefully that paints somewhat of a picture of the differential that you're asking. Yeah. And then your day-to-day, what does that typically look like? So for a residential broker or a residential agent, you know, they're dealing with consumers all day that are buying and selling homes, sometimes in larger markets, they help them with leases. So your day-to-day, who are you working with typically and what, what are you working with them on and what does that engagement look like? Right. So, and we can get into this later, kind of what my role looks like now versus what it looked like when I was starting similar to what Weston's doing and what many of the people listening may be thinking about if they're, you know, get a real estate license and start in the business. So most people in the residential space, you're right, they're looking for people that want, want to list their home or someone that wants to buy a home. In our space, we may be working with a developer. So someone that's starting from scratch from a new piece of ground or a redevelopment, that's something that exists that they're going to do something different on. But we may be working with an investor that wants to buy investment type real estate that wants to find something that cash flows for their family or for themselves individually or for a group. Uh, we could work for a retailer. So we could work for a specific individual retailer and help them go find a lease within a larger shopping center. Um, we could help an office building and we could list the building and help them manage it and lease it and or sell it. But we could also help the tenant, who's the office tenant, find any office building in town that ha- might have a vacancy. Um, and same with warehouse in a similar way. So there's lots of different ways in which we can work and different clientele that we could potentially work for in commercial. It's not quite as obvious. So there's lots of different people that you might go down. And typically in commercial real estate, when you look nationally, you end up in larger cities with people who focus. So they typically will focus in on a sector, like a specific, um, you know, they'll do retail specifically and maybe in a, a specific geographic location. So in real estate, you have a real estate license, a sales license, which Weston has, and you can then sell real estate in the state of Kentucky for a commission for a fee, which runs through your principal broker, which in this case with, with the example with Weston is through me. And so everybody who works with their real estate license has that under a principal broker in the whole state of Kentucky. So they work for that company. And so then when they're working for that client, then they're working on behalf of the company and they're getting something done on a lease or a sale and earning a commission for that work. So typically, people are working geographically because they have a license in one state. Now, Weston and I know a guy who is part of our SVN network nationally, and he's got licensure or uh, cross-licensure in, I think, 12 states. So there's people that do that all over the country, and they'll figure that out. But most people uh, kind of do the work where they live, sort of where they operate out of, and majority of their business, you know, 80-plus percent of their business is in you know, in one geographic location. Yeah. I think Zillow just found out that uh, real estate is extremely local. Exactly. You've got to have people on the ground pricing these things correctly, getting to know the consumers buying them, getting to know the businesses buying these properties. And so real estate, you know, will always probably be a local thing. It's a human thing. It's localized. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good point there. So you had gone through, you know, the different types of uh, end uh, buyers or sellers that you're working with or different types of uh, people looking for leases or wanting to lease out their property. Do commercial brokers typically specialize in one industry or one type of that of category that you just mentioned? Right. I think I was starting to go there. So thanks for bringing me back on track. Um, yes, I do think people typically specialize. There are times where you can say I'm a commercial real estate specialist versus residential, back to your original question, uh, in a smaller market, in a secondary tertiary, which we would be considered in Lexington. 
So there are quite a few around Lexington that have typically been more of a commercial generalist. So we don't do residential, but we do commercial, but we'll do lots of different types of commercial. There are other folks that do things where they do specialize and they say, I'm going to do industrial specific. I'm going to really focus on warehouses and flex type buildings and kind of work in that industrial space or in an office space or specific in the retail sector. And so I think that's ideal if you can, if you can work that ultimately. But I think a lot of times when people are starting out, especially in a smaller market, uh, if you're starting on your own or on a small team of people, you usually will work on a few different things to kind of figure out what you like, where your bent is and what types of things you enjoy. So you can be a specialist in that area ultimately. Do you feel like when you started in commercial real estate, there was a side or an asset type that you found yourself gravitating towards most? I probably gravitated a little bit more towards industrial when I started, but um, industrial and retail were the things that I did the most of right out of the gate. And then office became something. So I really became more of a commercial generalist. The guys in my office who built the office, Steve Pulliam and John Bernal, they were more of sales specialists. And so they sold a lot of assets for end users or they sold for investment. And so there wasn't a lot of leasing going in our office. So I said, well, I'll do leasing. So I was more of a leasing specialist for the first few years. In 07, obviously, we hit the peak of the commercial real estate market in 08. And so I got the license in the fall of 06. So I got in in 07 and things were rolling. People were selling and everything was just cranking. And I was like, what is going on? This is awesome. Like all commission. I love it. Let's go. And these guys were bringing me in on deals and giving me opportunities that I wouldn't have otherwise had without, you know, these great guys giving me an opportunity because Jeff had stepped away and said he and Don were just going to do hotels. Je um, Steve and John were going to take over the SVN franchise. And I was kind of like dropped on a baby on a doorstep, 300 East Main. And these guys were like, you know, who's this young kid? And I said, who are these old guys? And then became a, a great match, match made in heaven. And Steve and John were great mentors to me, still are. John's not in great health, so prayers for his family. Steve is doing great. He's bounced back from some health issues and is a great mentor to all of our guys in our office. So with all that said, I think for me, I realized that in that leasing specialist side, I learned a lot about what makes an investment deal an investment deal, and it's cash flow. An investment deal is an investment deal because it has income. And the reason it has income is because there's a tenant and that tenant is paying rent and that tenant can, you know, you can have credit tenants, quote unquote, and you can have, you know, local tenants and mom and pop tenants. You can quantify all that. And when I started understanding those leases, then it gave me the ability to then say, okay, I understand these assets and the investment side, and I can start working that angle as well, like these guys do. Um, but I was willing to take on mostly office retail and industrial uh, leasing, sales, and then of ultimately investment. So you mentioned a lot of different ways that you can go within real estate. What do you think is the hardest thing about commercial real estate that you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis? I think the most difficult, a few of the most difficult things when you're starting as a sales agent, so you get your license and you're kicking off, is that it takes a lot of time. So in residential, the deals go faster typically. A lease can go pretty quick, but most of our sales take a little while to start from when someone's looking to when they ultimately close. You know, when we list something, we typically list it for six months or a year, and that's because it typically takes that amount of time to kind of get it launched and get things done. So it's the staying power. It's being able to be around for the first few years. I think that's a difficult piece when you're starting. I think once you're in it and you're going into it, I think it's also that patience of I'm working on something day to day. Wes and I've had this conversation where you're building a database, you're building a client base, you're getting to know people, you're relational, 
And once you kind of get that place where you're feeling the momentum, then you're like, well, I want to take all these people that I know and actually do some deals because that's ultimately, you know, how we get paid is once the deal closes, we don't make money unless the deal closes. And so that's one of the reasons why um, it's important to kind of be around because it takes a few years to get to that point where the pipeline, so to speak, starts to spit some income out on the other side. So I'd say those are some of them. And then the last one I would say is the fact that you're an intermediary. You're not the ultimate decision maker. So you're advising the client and you're giving the information to people. You're the market specialist, but you're not ultimately the buyer or the seller. So in those cases, you're relying on them to make the final call. And sometimes you you think you know, because especially when you've been around a while, you feel like I've got the information and I can see my way through to a deal here. But you ultimately just have to inform them, advise them, and then let, let them make the call. And sometimes you get somebody that makes a decision that you don't agree with completely, but you still try to help them get through that. Um, or they take a while to come up with a decision. So then you have to wait um, and deal with kind of the back and forth of that with either directly with another um, agent or broker or, uh, you know, between a client, buyer and seller. I think I think you, you hit on there one of my favorite parts about real estate, which is just it's such a relational game. And to me, that's just so attractive because, you know, in real estate, I feel like you need to have one, a sense of your community, but two, you need to have access to good data. And typically the best data is given to you by somebody else. There's not like a great database at all times. And the MLS is great, but at the same time, the more relationships you have, most of the best deals don't even hit the MLS, right? right? And so I feel like one of the things I love about real estate is that there's a culture around, there's a culture around it that is so human and interactive that, like you said, one of the best things agents do is they just interact with their community and get to know people, build relationships, and then from that, their pipeline gets grown. To me, that's just so attractive because if you can build a business on relationships, I th- like for me, I love that. And like one day, I could, you know, I'm already in real estate, but one day I could see myself getting into the agent side of things because I just love business and I love people. And that's what has attracted me to real estate. But talk about the culture. You're trying to build a culture you know, within your community, within your network, what does yours look like? Because everybody's is different. You know, sure. They specialize in different things. They communicate with people differently. They focus on different parts of town. You know, what, what is your culture that you're trying to build here in Lexington? I was brought up in a culture in terms of in commercial real estate with Steve and John when they owned the company um, before I took ownership. That was one of um, transparency. That was one of trust. That was one of honesty. And so built on that, I got into a game in commercial real estate that doesn't always have that. So for those who don't know, sometimes commercial real estate has had the rap of, hey, it's only the people that are on the inside. They do, you know, the property never hits the market. Nobody gets a chance except for the people that know about it. Sometimes we don't share commissions. All those kinds of things get talked about all the way around the country. And I think there's a big shift that's happened in that. And so I got brought into a culture that was very, uh, if you want to say, countercultural to that national scene in Lexington. Lexington specifically has a really quality, in my opinion, commercial real estate brokerage community with all the different firms that are a part of it. And obviously not every single person might qualify for this statement, but most of the people that we deal with and all the people that are running the major companies in town are quality people who know what they're doing, who understand they're trying to serve the client. And we're all working together kind of for the better good. So back to your question on culture, I think because I was brought up in that and I really enjoyed that, then as I took ownership in the company, I realized God had gifted me a business. I'd helped build it with John and Steve, but it, it was not mine. So I got to steward something that was a little different. And so I got to take a spin on that and say, God owns the company. I'm the manager. And now I say God owns the company and we are the manager, meaning everybody included. 
Weston, the people who are employees that are, you know, making a salary, the people who are part-time and the people who are trying to, you know, go out and sell. And so in that culture, I have that same deep embedded, it's about trust. It's about transparency. It's about working together. It's about people first, the client first, us internally as a company, taking care of each other first and and a place where we can trust what each other, what we say, we can ask a question. And if somebody says this needs to be confidential, that sometimes they don't share that information even internally and no one gets frustrated because they know some things that we do have to stay confidential between us and the client. And we can't tell other people in the office and other times we can share that information. And so we're in a, we're in a, uh, a tree of trust. We're in a, a safe place. And then we're able to take that trust and build that we build internally and take that out and try to serve clients that way. So it's very relational inside of our office. It's very much of a family culture. Um, I want our people that are there to really care about their families, about their marriage, about their kids, about what they're doing um, to serve the community, whether it's in ministry, whether it's some other opportunity within a nonprofit, and to help make Lexington better. Because I think that when we can promote that internally, people enjoy coming to work because they know that they're cared for first. And then from there, they want to care for the client in whatever aspect or avenue or product type that they're working in. Yeah, absolutely. So you are a Lexington guy through and through. You mentioned building a culture in Lexington. Why do you think that Kentucky and Lexington in particular are so special to you? Well, obviously growing up here is a big part of it and I enjoy it. I, you know, never officially left. I did some stints in California and spent some time in South Carolina and different things like in the summers between, you know, school and things. But I never actually had an address that wasn't here. So it's always felt truly like home. And I think people that enjoy Lexington, those who visit here, those that have moved here and, and call it home after they've gone to maybe UK or Transy or somewhere close by in central Kentucky, it has a homey feel. It feels very much like a place where you want to um, be and you want to raise a family potentially there or you want to interact with other people. It's very relational. People are most people are are kind and and honest and and helpful. And so I feel like that's a big piece of what's happened in the culture. Uh, you know, SVN was started in 1980s in California, where the culture was very difficult in California and very difficult nationally in, in commercial real estate, where people weren't sharing fees or sharing the deal, right? They were keeping it uh, close to the vest and they were only just trading in, in between individuals. And these guys said, we can't even figure out deals within our own company, much less, you know, the broader commercial real estate industry. So what if we started working with clients and said, we're going to promote your property to any and all buyers and share commissions with any and all brokers. We don't care if they're residential, commercial. We don't care what firm they work for. If they've got a qualified buyer and we have a qualified deal, we want to work together. So all about collaboration, cooperation, and then starting to use technology in the 90s to get things launched because it used to be you're faxing stuff around, you're having to have meetings face-to-face -to, -face to be able to provide information, you had to mail things, you know, uh, overnight things, all that kind of stuff. That still happens, but that's typically down the line. Most of what we do now, as we all know, is through email, is through looking at a website. Most people don't do property tours now initially on site before they've looked on Google Maps, before they've done things looking on, you know, LoopNet or CoStar or Crexy or these other kind of websites that we use. And so I think that culture has shifted, you know, over time in Lexington specifically to where we all want to work together collaboratively and cooperatively. Um, nationally, there's still some rubs there, uh, no doubt. But in Lexington, it's kind of been more of an embedded um, culturally. I think John and Steve did a lot to change that and help that and move forward. It wasn't ever, from what I heard, I wasn't involved, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But 
from what I heard, it was always somewhat of a sharing culture, but a lot of people didn't list their properties. A lot of owners just dealt directly with people and they didn't want to pay brokers for kind of doing those deals. But over time, people realized there's sort of enough to go around and these folks know information. They have information, they have quality tenants. And if the cash flow drives most of these deals or the user is going to be the buyer, we need to have these relationships and we need more people on deck. So I will give a plug for the commercial real estate industry just in Lexington and, and all over the country. If you're listening, if you're working on a project, it is a great thing to consult a commercial real estate agent that does specifically commercial, that has good knowledge and information, back to your point about Zillow, that knows their local market or their local product type or a product type if it's national, it could be something that they understand um, or on a national level. But most times it's it's local to the geography. And and get to know those folks. You know, if you don't hire me, if you don't hire Weston, hire someone or at least bring someone in to consult with you to understand what you have, what you don't have, what's what the trends are, what's going on. Because we do have a lot of good data and we do track it and it's what we do all day long. So um, I will say that. That's important. Yeah, I didn't ask this before, but what do you think your favorite uh, type of client to work with is? Is it a up and coming small business? Is it a large business? Is it retail? Do you have a favorite? That's correct. After you're in the it, business for so long. It has been different over the years. I've had different moments. I think, as I mentioned earlier, I loved industrial and kind of retail at the start. And I loved helping those tenants because they were trying to get inside of a space and run their business. So that was really fun early on. I think as I've um, morphed what's been interesting in the role that I'm in is that I really end up helping a lot behind the scenes on a, a lot of our deals with our agents. So I'm helping a, uh, Weston behind the, behind the scenes or another one of our agents in the office, I'm helping them. And so I really enjoy that. So whatever they're working on, I enjoy. Um, and then investment um, clients, people who have kind of a bigger global picture where I can really get in and potentially help with uh, their trust attorney, with their CPA, kind of be a part of the sitting at that table, so to speak, and saying, how can I help advise you holistically on everything you're looking at and where commercial real estate and investment in commercial real estate fits into your picture, into your global picture? Because most high net worth individuals have some semblance of commercial real estate in their portfolio. And so I'm really starting to enjoy being a part of that conversation and help advise them of what I think of their real estate, of how I can help them move it forward. What's their short-term and long-term goal? Do they want to buy more? Do they want to sell things? Do they need help with management? So that's kind of where I've come into. But the basic leasing, um, I went on a showing last week. Uh, we had a guy in our office that had a showing set up, had a sick child, and everything's good now. But he ended up saying, hey, can you step in and do the showing? And I went out and showed a warehouse and loved it. And I thought, man, I'm, sometimes I miss this, <laughs> just going and getting out there and just showing the property and walking through. So I um, hope that answers your question. That's awesome. Yeah. So to future real estate agents, what is one piece of advice for people that are interested in getting into real estate? No, great question. I think that I would the advice I would give to people that are wanting to get in, because there's people in our office, including me, who it wasn't my initial career right out of high school or college and in kind of a second career, so to speak. Some people, you know, like John Bernal, it was his third career. I mean, he was in his 50s, the guy who was one of my mentors and the principal broker before me. So for anybody even like that is just to understand that you've got to have staying power. You've got to know if you're going to come into a commission-based job, especially commercial versus residential, is that you've got to be around for a while for the the income to trickle in. If you're if you're looking for income stream, you, you know, off of commissions, you've got to do that. The other thing I'd say is make sure you get to be a part of a 
a really good team and you have a good mentor. I think that's a big trend going on uh, all over the world, not just in real estate, but people are saying if you can find somebody that you can work with that'll really invest in you and help you learn and grow, you know, the curve becomes more exponential for you. You grow faster, you learn quicker. And I had that with John and Steve. They brought me in on deals quickly. They, you know, sometimes you end up doing some of the grunt work or whatever, but you learn while you're doing that. When you do those leases, you you learn that that's the building block of the ultimate investment sale that you then get to be a part of later. So um, I would say those two things, staying power, um, you know, patience, uh, making sure you're ready to build relationships and you understand that. And then, you know, knowing that you need to be a part of a team. Uh, there is a lone wolf kind of mentality sometimes in commercial real estate, especially in smaller towns where people will get, you know, they'll, you can get your broker's license after a couple of years and then you can go off and have your own shop. You don't have to have your sales license underneath another broker. I would say that's okay. I mean, for certain people, that's their story. But I do think that there's something about being a part of a team and people that have more information and knowledge than you. Because what I love about our team is that even though I'm the owner and the managing director, I have all kinds of things that I'm still learning. And so I'm learning from Weston. He's learning from me. I'm still learning from Steve. But Steve's now learning from me and learning from Weston because there's new things in technology that Steve would never know how to use without Weston's help or vice versa. And so it's really neat when you have a, a team and, and people that care about each other and can work together. So those are some of the things I'd, I'd say to someone if they're looking around out there. Yeah. There's a, in residential, I'm more in the residential space. I'm building a, a software company in the residential space right now. Real estate teams are growing a uh, portion of the real estate market in residential because I just saw a fact that uh, 2% of all agents and residential uh, realtors are on teams, but 20% of the volume goes through teams, which is a pretty crazy mm. stat I saw in residential space, which, um, you know, a lot the reason that is is because a lot of these aggregators like Zillow, Realtor.com, and several others are aggregating these leads and they're passing them to teams on the back end, right. uh, these brokerages. And so, I, you know, it's interesting to hear that, you know, it's similar in the commercial space, not necessarily on where the leads are coming from, but just on a, you know, mentor level and getting started level and right. that, that makes sense. But let's transition to... Uh, the city of Lexington. This is where we want to spend some time on all of these podcasts, sharing with the audience, you know, what's happening in our market and how can it improve and what does the future look like? So what do you think Lexington needs right now? You have lived here, you know, your whole life. You say this is home. What are some things that you have been saying to yourself, man, I wish Lexington had this, or maybe it's the right time for something like this. What's the city need in your opinion? Sure. I think with the studies that we're seeing with the census, with jobs, with housing and all that, obviously Lexington, you know, the study is that we're having pretty significant growth and we're going to continue uh, in Lexington with population. Housing is something that is needed. You're seeing more apartments go up. You're seeing people try to do housing starts. However, at the same time in Lexington, we've got the urban service boundary. Everybody knows about that. Uh, we want to protect horse farms. I mean, most commercial real estate folks while we do like to develop and we like to take raw ground and turn it into something new and give it its you know, highest and best use, so to speak, we do think that Lexington specifically has a unique opportunity to be at the crossroads of I-75 and 64. So it's got the potential for all that commerce to have the University of Kentucky here, to have healthcare right here, to have all this you know, retail here where people travel from all over. You know, We have people from counties far and wide, Eastern Kentucky from surrounding counties, all come here to shop, all come here to go to the doctor, all those kinds of things. But at the same point, we could just keep pressing out and just take over all that agriculture. But that would take away from kind of that back to why Lexington, why is it so great? 
you know, it's got some, some things about it that are embedded that make it special with Keeneland, with the horse sales, people from all over the world come to be a part of that, you know, world-class horse racing and breeding and so forth. And so I do think that for me, it's important for us to figure out how to balance that out. There's a lot of conversations that have been had around that over the years, but really specifically, I think there's some neat people at the table that you're going to probably hear about coming up in the next couple of years that are really saying, we, we have to hit this head on. We can't just wait for every five or 10 years when the next sort of urban service boundary agreement comes out. We've got to be constantly thinking about how we can adapt right now so that we can attract businesses here, so we can attract jobs, so that people that come here to live actually can live here and not just work here. And then they have either affordable housing isn't for them or you know they might be in a startup or they might be in a jo- an hourly rate job and they need something that they can afford. And as we know, supply and demand so the housing prices in Lexington are as high as they are anywhere in the state of Kentucky. And so we're dealing with that. So people are moving to surrounding counties. I don't think that's necessarily a horrible thing that we have to do some housing in surrounding counties. Because if we look at this holistically and you look at big cities, right? We're not a big city, but if you look at big cities, tons of people live outside of that county in those areas and, and drive in or are a part of the workforce within that community. That's always been the case in Lexington. So I think just understanding that, just continuing that conversation and getting really you know, head-on specific about it, I think there's some good minds and some good folks thinking about that that are um, new to the scene, that are new to the table. And there's a, a lot of us that really respect each other, even if we have difference of opinion. And so we're able to kind of get in there together and say, what does it mean for us all to recruit good companies to be here or the ones that are here to want to stay here so that we have good jobs, we have a good base, we have good education and we have a good place for people to live and, and build their families and build their future. Yeah, I really like the urban service boundary because I like to, on weekends, just drive around the horse farms and just enjoy, you know, sure. that unique property that, you know, there's nowhere else in the world that we can enjoy and be, you know, come from five minutes downtown to be on a horse farm in 10 minutes. You know, it's just like, where else in the world can can you do something like that? It's pretty special, but I do agree that, you know, supply and demand, you know, you're going to have to figure out some way to make sure that Lexington is affordable for all people and that we can continue to develop and, and grow the city. Because if a business is looking at Lexington and maybe a large corporation or an up and coming startup and they're looking at Lexington and they're saying, what's the quality of life look like for my employees? Where can I develop? Where is the available land? You know, there's is, what's that look like? If you're a business looking at Lexington, let's just say like, pick any kind of business and you're looking at Lexington and you're evaluating it. Sure. What, what are your thoughts on? Yeah. When you're thinking of larger, I mean, the typical two you think about is manufacturing or you're thinking about like a corporate headquarters with, you know, office type work um, of some capacity. So in both of those cases, you're dealing with somebody that might want a campus or might need, you know, 10, 50, a hundred or hundreds of acres. And so, you know, you look at what happened with Toyota in the eighties in, in Georgetown and that has ripple affected out from the mid 80s all the way until now. We've done a ton of work over in Georgetown over the past 10 or 15 years. And so it continues. And Georgetown is one of the fastest growing counties in the state of Kentucky. It's been either the first, second or third fastest growing county sort of over the last span. And it is the fastest growing census to census. So it's just this incredible thing to see that county grow, partly because they had the land and the availability and all that. That's a statewide type approach when you're looking at something like Toyota. It's also something that Central Kentucky can get behind and say all the counties around surrounding will benefit. But Lexington is in kind of a spot, so to speak, in that. And I don't think that we're able to attract some of the manufacturing that we could 
if we had the availability to more land. So we've got to figure that out. Coldstream has tried to figure that out. The city's trying to figure that out. UK, the state, and the city are all talking together. In Lexington, we have a merged government. So there's two of those in the state. You got Louisville and you got Lexington. So city county together really does help that. But we still have kind of that urban service boundary piece. So I think we're going to have to continue Commerce Lex. Um, you know, Bob Quick in a great house, their team, they've thought really regionally about this and they think about Lexington and the surrounding counties. Obviously, they're based in Lexington, but I think they realize that, you know, if we are going to land something, it might be in Madison County. It might be in Scott County. And those kind of things are happening. And that can still be good for all of Central Kentucky and ultimately for specifically Lexington. So, I mean, those are some of the struggles that we have. Um, I'm a part of Commerce Lex and we're going on a trip to Austin, Texas this next week. And so I think a lot of us are going to be communicating about these type of issues. We have been for years. We're going to continue. And there's good minds and seats at the table that people are having conversations about how do we do infill redevelopment, you know, i.e. city center or other things where you take something and redevelop what was already there. We just sold the um, uh, Walmart out on Richmond Road. And now they're going to bring, you know, a new group in there and revamp that building. They're under construction right now and doing a bunch of work to it. And, you know, they're going to bring in ATVs and they're going to have a, a really nice indoor dealership there with Lexington Motorsports. And so uh, that was really fun to be a part of something that's kind of a redevelopment, not a teardown, but kind of taking something that's sitting empty. And, you know, they could have built something out by the interstate. Or they could have figured out another way, but they thought, here's an existing property that we can kind of come back in and reuse. So just thinking creatively, trying to figure that out, understand the housing piece. But ultimately, the manufacturing and the corporate headquarters are where kind of the major good paying jobs are. And so we have to understand what that looks like regionally in Kentucky or in Lexington with the land. Awesome. Yeah. And the last question, uh, we do this with everybody. What is the most confidential thing that you're working on right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Let's rock. Weston got- Lock- Lockhart's. <laughs> I'll, I'll plug something I'm fun. I'm doing on I got a pod- another podcast I'm doing with my, with my startup. You'd probably enjoy this. I don't know if you've listened to one yet, but we're doing this podcast called Agent Anonymous. Okay. Where we get residential agents on there. We don't tell their names. We blur their voice and they come on there and they tell us their confidential. Crazy stories. Crazy stories they've had with their clients and they're, they're hilarious. Right. Uh, and obviously we don't share their name and nobody knows who it is. So we can do it legally. Right. And we can protect the agent. But uh, yeah, that's that's a funny one, Weston. Good job. That was hilarious. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Positive note out here. Uh, looking into the future of Lexington, what's probably your favorite project you see coming down the pipeline? And why? Um, I think just everything going on around this redevelopment side and people trying to understand how to um, work on what we already have and making it better because there's a big shift in office. There's a big shift in retail and everybody knows it's happening. Um, you know, if we're not able to go out there and sort of create more land or take over the, the agricultural side, I think we have to keep thinking about that. So there's multiple projects like that. Uh, Grayline Station is a cool one downtown. Excited about that very supportive of city center and everything that happened there it took a long time, but, um, it's out of the ground and it's wonderful. And, you know, they've done a great job there. I think, you know, the summit was a neat project out there. Um, Pat Madden's project has been going on for years and years and years and stretches through and, uh, out of Hamburg. But now you've got, you know, out of, as a part of all that development, you got a serious medical development going on there, out there with Baptist health. So just seeing all those things happen, UK is really being strategic at Coldstream. George Ward's done a great job out there, and it's really fun to see. And they are thinking about housing out there. They're starting apartments. They've got somebody building an office building out there, a group out of Salt Lake. 
that's building an office building out there to do some laboratory space, research type work, and then also some additional office or research space that's going to be available in the same building. Uh, they're kind of using UK to launch that, and then other folks can come in and be able to use that. So there's multiple projects around town. I don't know that I would pick just one, but I think we have to keep thinking about how to be creative within the space that we have, understanding redevelopment of office that's going to happen over time, understanding the redevelopment of retail that's going to happen over time, and you know just seeing those projects go forward. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining, man. We enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure our audience will as well. I learned a lot about commercial real estate. Again, I've always been more on the residential side, but uh, I hope our audience comes away with some more learnings as well and knows exactly what you all do and can approach you all when the day comes that they're looking for a spot for their business or somewhere to invest. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.